when I was growing up, like I, and this is no disrespect to runners because I am one now, but I thought that runners were people who were rejected from team sports, <laughs> you know, like if I'm being yeah. honest, if I'm being completely honest. And I suppose going up through the, the ranks, I played Munster 18s, um, 19s and, and 20s with the likes of Peter Matney and, and Connor Murray and, and a couple other really good players that have gone all the way. And I'm there, you know, essentially like delirious, completely <laughs> naked, standing on the scales, weighing in at 84.9. Like sometimes there's not more to life than the gym. but And sometimes there's not more to life than running. If that's a lift that you get, then that needs to be an anchor in your day. But the growth mindset like I think something that's worth chucking in as well is a friend of mine he talks about like seasons or chapters mm, and there's nothing gosh. wrong with having a maintenance chapter or a maintenance mm. season hey I hope you're keeping well I'm Brian Moylet former rugby player now mindset and performance coach and welcome to the pod this podcast is about well-being and high performance and in it, you will learn how you can be happier, more fulfilled, and more successful. I recently wrote the book on how to become a pro rugby player, forward by Robbie Henshaw, which went to number one in the charts, and you can get this now on Amazon and Audible, with the links in the show notes. Please connect me now over on social media, at Brian Moylet and at Offfield Rugby. If you enjoyed the pod, please subscribe to it, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening now, and also, you can send it on to some friends. Would really appreciate that. All right, we'll get into today's episode. Cheers. Hey, hope you're keeping well. Today I'm chatting with David Toomey, Tumo, who I know from my time in Lansdowne. Um, I suppose I was just coming into the first team as a young lad around 19, trying to get a game when he was a mainstay in the team. And so, yeah, Tumo, former rugby player, physio, PhD student researcher and endurance athlete with that kind of somewhat some of some of the things you're doing or have done that's uh making my head nice and big before we begin uh yeah i suppose that's a bit of a uh elevator uh pitch of of what i'm up to these days but thanks a million for having me on brian it's great to see you and see you in this neck of the woods and doing so well so um yeah thanks for having me on yeah, good stuff. Looking forward to chatting. So I suppose just chat to me, like outline, yeah, just your kind of rugby journey. And I'm really keen to, like we were chatting just beforehand before I hit record about everything else. But yeah, so I met you, yeah, when you were in Lansdowne. Just, yeah, briefly give me an overview of kind of your journey in the game. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a it's an interesting kind of story, I suppose, because it ties in a lot with my uh, job and my exercise journey and stuff like that. But I I suppose I started playing rugby when I was seven years old with uh, UL Bohemians down in Limerick and I was a pretty overweight kid, um, you know, like a lot of us were. Um, and so I was hurled into the front row as a tight head prop and really enjoyed that. Played my rugby in Ortsgall Reach in Limerick and played alongside some really good players and had some great success, kind of won a, 
um, was involved in a junior cup winning squad and, and lost the junior cup as, as captain. So I had my first heartbreak nice and early there when my mother had a brand new hat bought to present me with the cup down in Musgrave Park. And we lost to uh, CBC 8-3 in a, in a tight final, but clearly I don't hold a grudge on that. And uh, then I suppose going up through the, the ranks, I played Munster 18s, um, 19s and, and 20s with the likes of Peter Matney and, and Connor Murray and, and a couple other really good players that have gone all the way and beyond. Then after Munster 20s, I went up to Dublin to study physio and I suppose a little bit of background behind that. I went from propping in junior cup. I had a bit of a growth spurt and moved into the back row. And then the growth spurt well and truly stopped. And I was told that if I was uh, to kind of go further, I had to go back into the front row. So I had a bit of a kind of a yo-yo um, weight loss, weight gain journey in that regard where I was trying to you know shed the pounds when I moved into back row. And then all of a sudden I wasn't going to grow any taller so I had to put put back on the pounds and learn how to throw and went up to Dublin and I was floating around the Irish 20s wider squad at that time so the coach Alan Clark got me to uh, in with the Leinster sub academy for a little while which was brilliant kind of made a lot of friends through that and that's how I got involved with Lansdowne uh, Willie Clancy uh, heard about me and, and managed to, to sign me up because I was kind of on the fence of whether I join UCD or Lansdowne, but Lansdowne had a good history of of country bumpkins like myself and, and yourself, I suppose, joining some of these uh, D4 bigger clubs and had a, just a, had the most amazing time with Lansdowne. They just fully, fully brought me in and fully embraced me and, and had a great time up there. And I was fortunate enough during my physio degree to get involved uh, with Leinster Rugby then on some undergraduate placements, which just wouldn't happen now, but very grateful for that to happen. And a mentor of mine and and, a physio that I look up to, Gareth Farrell, he kind of told me wherever you want to end up, start furthest away. So I saw that there was a, a... uh, physio clinic that was hiring in Auckland, New Zealand. It was about 18,000 kilometres away. So, um, yeah, jumped on a plane in 2013 and have been here ever since, which is kind of crazy. Cool. And with the rugby then, you came over here and you said, so you started playing under 85, so did, oh. then you... <laughs> you started kind of what losing the weight and was that when you started getting into kind of running or kind of transitioning out of rugby? Yeah. Like, so, um, when I was playing with Lansdowne, you know, I'm not, I'm not a tall guy. I'm about, well, my program, program height. Tinder um, profile height. My, my program height is the Tinder profile height was, was five ten, but that's a bit of a, a push. So I, I struggled to be a big hooker. You know, I was kind of, my top weight, I can send you a few photos there looking back at him. I, I look like a foie gras, kind of a force-fed, uh, stuffed something. I was about 88, 89 kilos. I could never really hit the 100 kilo mark. And I was, you know, really kind of immobile and, and all the rest of it. 
and I came down to New Zealand and I had a great meeting with uh, Mick Carney, who's involved with the, with the Irish Irish team manager there. And he had teed me up with a couple of clubs down here. So I came down, I had this nice rugby CV where I had played Munster 20s and had won a couple of All-Irelands with Lansdowne and, and the rest of us. And then I came down here and I saw the size of the Maori and Pacifica players in Auckland. Like it's just... I, I kind of walked down to one of the clubs, thought that I'd be, you know, swanning in and they kind of turned around and said, now we've got the baby blacks hooker from last year. And I turned around and the fellas, 19 years old, 120 kilos and the reserve hooker would be 118. Um, yeah. And that was the same for all the clubs. And I remember one day we had like a scrum session with the Auckland Blues forwards coach at the time and I just got absolutely minced in these scrums and I was treating patients the next day and I you know was a couple of paracetamol deep into my day and I was talking to these patients who might say that they had a two out of ten or a three out of ten pain and meanwhile I'm like I think mine's an eight or a nine you know Sophie I'm in more pain than the patients that I'm treating and I'm not getting paid the top dollar there was something kind of wrong and uh I'll never forget my first session I was holding a tackling bag I was playing with Eden here in the city uh, that have a good really good uh history in Auckland rugby and they've had some great success in recent years they're like a stone's throw from Eden Park and interestingly in Limerick I'm only a stone's throw from Thomond Park but I was holding this tackling bag and this second row came and hit this bag and I did like a Monty Python slapstick movie backwards flip essentially and I got up and almost like the cartoon stars are going around my head. I'm like, oh my God. And the uh, re- or the coach blows the whistle and he says, okay, boys, forwards over here, backs over here. And the lock, the second row, starts walking over towards the, the backs. And I said, oh, mate, he said, he said, forward's over here. We're over here. And he looks down at me and he says, uh, I'm a winger, bro. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, man, what am I doing here? And then somebody told me that there was under 85 kilo rugby. And at the time, I was like 96. And I said... Oh, could like that could be that could be the goal because I'd kind of accepted at that stage like that my aspirations of playing top flight rugby were behind me and by making the move to New Zealand I was I was electing to pursue the career more than anything else so I said I'd try and get down to under eighty fives and uh, so the coach at the time this a real character called Stu he'd he'd ring me and he'd say. Oh, we got a game this weekend. You're going to be right. And uh, I was like, Stu, I'm 94 kilos now. Like, how am I going to make 85s? And he's like, oh, just stick with it, Davey. You'll be there. I was like, oh, man, okay. So over the next couple of weeks um, and some pretty unhealthy practices that would be more aligned to jockeys and MMA fighters, I managed to get down. Like, there was one game where they... They were in a like a top table clash and they contacted me and said, you know, we need you this weekend. If you can get down, like what, what way do you now? And I was 90 kilos. So 
in six days I lost five kilos had to take a trip into the sauna on the day of the game which I wouldn't recommend particularly as a healthcare provider but I managed to get down and for your listeners and watchers the way that the under 85 comp goals is that the home team has their weighing scales on the day and you step up in the scales and essentially if you can be under 85 on the home team's scales you're able to play so I'm looking at the hooker that I'm playing against and he's got his boots on, he's got his kit on, he's had a feed, he's well fueled and he's weighing in at like 83.5 and I'm there, you know, essentially like delirious, completely <laughs> naked, standing on the scales, weighing in at 84.9 and get the green tick and then like smash a couple of power aids, I think, get the, you know. This has gone back quite a while. I think I had a foot long sub or something like that, and then went out and and played. Um, and at that at that point, I was kind of going from maybe if you think about it as a five foot eight hooker in the AIL at ninety eight ninety nine kilos, just physiologically, I would have been one of the lightest forwards. So I've gone from that to now being literally the biggest player on the pitch so I was playing loose head prop and I had great fun of turning people inside out because I was used to you know punching punching up all the time whereas I had a bit of bit of dominance and had uh, a decent decent little run of it there um and once I got my weight under control and I could actually be fueled to perform I had a great great couple of seasons there playing playing under 85s nice one and yeah, the size of the players here is wild. It's um, it's just wild, and I think it's different, even different again up in Auckland, but from where I'm in Christchurch. But how then did you start to get into the running and all that side of things? So the the genesis of the running is an interesting one as well. There's kind of two parts to it, I suppose. The first part is that um, we had a we had a game I'd been selected to for an Auckland uh, rep squad for a, a trial to a loose head prop to make the Auckland squad, which I was, you know, fizzing for because I kind of really missed the, the kind of hard out competitive elements like the under 85 is a great grade, but it's a little bit social, you know, like there's no worse feeling than holding the ball behind your head as a hooker or as a, I was a loose head thrown in and making a call and looking at a second row's eyes who you know doesn't know the call oh, yeah. because if we if the lineup messes up like it's on me you know 90% of the time even though as you well know it's a it's a accumulation of lifters jumpers timing throw etc but so i kind of i didn't really like the social side of things i like but anyway so i was selected for this this trial and we were getting hockeyed and it was the last play of the game. I think we we're down by 40 points. We we're five meters out. We had a tap penalty and I just wanted some glory. Just so that there was going to be maybe some final notable act that I did in the game. So I took a quick tap penalty, ran into two um, Pacific Island lads and they drove me into the ground and I had a posterior dislocation on my shoulder. So I ruptured my bicep, my rotator cuff torn labrum it was pretty pretty uh nasty injury 
and had to have my shoulder reconstructed. And at that time, when I was coming back, I was had seen the surgeon maybe, you know, a couple of weeks after the surgery and he had said, look, you're not going to be able to lift weights for this amount of time. But he said, you can go back running after 16 weeks or whatever. And I was there kind of going, go, go back running. I, like I don't, <laughs> I don't run. So, but it, because I love movement and I love exercise, I was, you know, I said, okay, I'll give this a bit of a crack. And I, I started doing a little bit of running and, that summer then my parents came over and we rented a camper van and my brother came over from Australia and we tried not to kill each other in a camper van for a couple of weeks down the South Island in a pretty confined space. And, you know, being that close to your, to your family again in, in a, in a short uh, space of time, I kind of, one day I was like, I got to get out of here. I said, I'm going running. They said, Dave, what do you mean? You don't go running? I was like, no, 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 I do. I do. I go running. I go running a lot now. So that was kind of the start of it, really. Um, and the other thing was that when I came over to New Zealand, I was attached to a physio clinic that was also teaching Pilates. So I became this Pilates instructor. So when I first moved over, like at 98 kilos or whatever, like I could, I was, could barely move like um, yeah. my neck. You know, I was so so immobile flexibility was atrocious um you know a lot of the movement competencies that are required for pilates i was so bad at so that was another reason to kind of just shed a couple of kilos and get a little bit more mobile so that i could kind of walk the walk as well as talk the talk so that was um that was where some of the the kind of recomposition i don't really you know like to call it too much weight loss because it wasn't you know it wasn't the only aim of it but just to kind of move better and feel better and then I really started to enjoy the running because it was one of the first times where like often when you're way training for rugby you might be doing a push day or a pull day or a leg day or an upper body day and you kind of in one sense you kind of feel like you're Frankenstein's monster you know like where you're a, a bicep and a tricep and whatever else whereas when I started running it was the first time very uncomfortably, but the first time that my body had to kind of sing off the same hymn sheets, you know, it's happening. That's happening for rugby, but because you're thinking, you know, I got to be here. I got to be there. It's so anaerobic. It, there's, you're not really thinking about how your body feels, but when you're running and you're putting one foot in front of the other and um, you've got a little bit more time and a little bit more space, then I, I kind of just really started to enjoy that. And almost like a kind of without sounding too cliched a bit of a moving mindfulness and then in New Zealand there's just so many cool places to see and you see them a lot quicker when you're running you know like so uh yeah I started to get onto the trails and then got roped into a couple of little events and stuff like that and really started to get a taste for it wasn't much good at it for the first couple of years but um got a taste for it and I and the other thing is that like at the time, you know, the newbie gains that you get from strength training, they're well gone. Like I joined my first gym way back when I was moving from a, a 13 or I think I was 12 when I joined my first gym at the lie about my age down in Limerick because I was trying to shed some kilos to move into the back row. But to add two and a half kilos or five kilos onto your bench press, like could take 
months, whereas I was getting better with every single run that I was doing. So the, the growth curve and the trajectory of that was really cool. And I loved that, you know. Hmm. So just for background, you've done four marathons, two ultra marathons, 60K and over 20 half marathons. So did you like get the, I don't know, you got the bug or you just, you obviously started to love it. Yeah, I, I, um, like I did my first, uh, I did my first half marathon just with one or two people from work and it's a that's another, that's another good story because I was, again, it was pretty, pretty big at that stage. It wasn't, I was kind of maybe during the time where I was trying to get down to under 85s, but I was running with this really slight, uh, work colleague of mine. And I'm looking down at her feet like she's barely touching the ground, you know, mm. whereas I'm almost making footprints in the tarmac at them um, where I'm plodding along. And I had this goal of of trying to do a half marathon in an hour 45, which is way too lofty for your first one. I wouldn't advise it to anybody, but, you know, my stubbornness, that's what I wanted to do. So I did the Auckland half marathon and you have a timing chip back in those days. It went on your shoe. Now it's attached to the bib. But I was delirious, like going over this finish line, and um, I'd done it in one four six and not one four five. Now, as it turned out, I actually did do it in one four five because my chip time is different to the time that's on the big clock. But um, I go over the finish line, and uh, they're handing out all the the medals, and I kind of lean my neck forward, and then they just give me a banana and a powerade, <laughs> and uh, not I'm today, like, buddy. I, yeah, I'm like some like when I to be fair when I push myself on a lot of these events, like I can get a bit emotional, you know, because um, you're just really depleted. And I'm like, uh, "Where's my medal?" <laughs> and they said, uh, "Oh no, the medal is only for people that do the full marathon." And I was there with my banana, my Powerade, and having missed my time by sixty seconds in my head, and I was like, "Well, you should tell people that before they sign up." And uh, I vowed then that I'd go back someday and do the full marathon. Now, as it turned out, they give everybody doing the half now and 10K as a medal. But I, that kind of planted the seed for me to one day do do a full. Um, and then just like various places that I've lived. I lived on Waikiki Island, which is a 35-minute kind of ferry from Auckland. And I lived there for five years. And it's a beautiful place. There's lots of wineries. But if you're living there, you're not going to those wineries every day so there's not a huge amount of of other things to do except for enjoy the unreal trails and and hills and beaches that are there so i joined a running crew there and uh just kind of really enjoyed it and then enjoyed being able to kind of go a little bit further or a little bit faster you know as my body kind of allowed so that was how the kind of distances have kind of continued to to creep up over the years cool and did you find at the start like i've done two half marathons and then i did a marathon before christmas but to be honest like it took me five probably like five forty-five. I, I just said one day i was like i'm going doing a marathon because i was just like i need to do it and i kind of you know i don't know it's just like oh, i'm going doing it 
because I, it, I was just, yeah, I just, I don't know, got it you, in my you'd, head. You'd, I needed to. You'd listen to David Goggin's podcast or something like that. Yeah, I was actually chatting to Fergus Farrell on this podcast. Um, oh, yeah. And he had like, you know, spinal injury, couldn't walk and then went and was doing five marathons in four days. And then, you know, I saw so many people do marathons and I kind of always would see, say on Instagram, people finish marathons. I was like, sure, I could do a marathon. Sure, I could do a marathon, but I hadn't done one. I was like, you know, and I was like, Brian, like, you know, it's like, you can't, you know, yeah, it's like, I, I was like, I could, I could do one, but I hadn't done one. So it was like just sitting with me. So I just, anyway, went up and did one, but I did 20K or whatever. And then I went into kind of Powerade and a bar of chocolate and um, in a shop. I just did it on my own. And then my legs just completely, completely seized up like that. It was so painful. It was more painful than anything playing rugby like it felt like someone had just cut my my hamstrings open and I just hobbled the last 20 25k but with your body like breaking down that's something I always found I remember like in the off season from rugby I'd be like oh I'll go for a run like a 5k or a 4k or something and I'd just be in bits like hip flexors back everything in bits because like I don't run or you know like you say and I don't know what is it with that you just you just keep going or you just do a lot of stretching around it for I don't know to get into running well it's I think the worst thing that ever happened running was during lockdown when people did the run 5k nominate five people or whatever because what it meant was that you had all these people who'd never ran before that were trying to run a 5k as fast as they possibly could yeah. so if they could post it on the social media with a relatively respectable time um and like when I was growing up, like I, and this is no disrespect to runners because I am one now, but I thought that runners were people who were rejected from team sports, you know, like if I'm being honest, yeah. if I'm being completely honest, I was like, where's the ball? Where's the, where's the basket? Where's the net or whatever? Where's the line? But I heard this quote that kind of said with running, you get what you deserve. And it's so true. So like, it's different energy systems that are involved to, to running, you know, purely aerobic, whereas in, in rugby you've bouts of, of anaerobic and, and you've lots of breaks and it's stop start. And the other thing is that the composition body wise of, of rugby players is, is completely different. So they're a lot heavier and, you know, I don't think people that are running should be thinking about their, their weight really at all, but you know, the lighter, the chassis, the faster the car. So, the heavier you are often the the more load and the more attrition that's going to be happening um, on your body so the best way to develop your running ability is to start really really slow like park the ego do a walk jog combo or even just walking like if you you know there is that phrase where you have to walk before you can run and it's it's a phrase for a reason because a lot of people if you have a sedentary role, if you've if you're not getting your ten thousand steps a day or your six thousand steps or whatever, you've no right to be going out and and demanding a, a hard five k or a, in your case a bloody twenty k out of your body. So it's all about that slow progressive overload. It's the equation of training plus recovery equals adaptation so unless you have the recovery you're not going to get the adaptation and similarly if the training that you do is 
accumulation of more waste products like then that training is too hard so doing it really easy and progressing over time is the the real kind of secret but it is no secret because it just requires consistency over a hell of a long long period of time and there is some people out there that can have a really good baseline i'm not one of those people like if i don't run for a month like i my fitness will drop considerably so it kind of keeps that flame to my bum a little bit not in a you know overly obsessive way but i'm just kind of i can't be relying on the big run that i did six months ago it's kind of if i want to be achieving the goals or the the level of fitness that i have or that i want to get to you've got to kind of show up more often than not so that's kind of a nice little mantra that can be extrapolated for a lot of elements of of life you know and you can't blame the ref you can't blame your teammates you can't blame whatever it's just it's you and your pair of shoes so there's something quite satisfying about that because it means that when things go well you know you can really take the the plaudits and the kudos because it's it's just you versus you and you know the other thing is that like i'm kind of coming at this from a performance lens at the moment but you know i i play around with it in a lot of different ways where i'll run without headphones and i'll use it truly as a moving mindfulness where i'm trying to um i made a mind uh, David Lewis, he he introduced me to this concept of shifts, which is S H I F T S. So, like, um, I think one of the things that I wanted to kind of come across in this chat is that it's, you know, there's, it doesn't have to be a competitive element. Like, just getting out for a walk. I do a lot of hiking as well, which we can get into. But with that shifts acronym, you could just be out for a walk just without your headphones or whatever and the s is seeing so you're just trying to see super intently like maybe you're you hadn't before but now you can see that in the park that you're running that there's actually four different shades of green on the one leaf of this tree and then the h is the hearing where you kind of go oh wow the birds in New Zealand have a completely different tune to the ones in Ireland or maybe you can like you can't always have the luxury of walking in these or running and walking in these beautiful areas I might just be I can hear a car alarm going off it's just grounding you to the present moment the eye is the internal feelings or your emotions of oh I've got this you know kind of anxious little kernel in my stomach or I'm feeling particularly buoyant because I had a call with my mother and father yesterday or whatever it might be. Then the F of shifts is your external feelings where you might kind of say, oh, I can feel my sock in my shoe or I can feel that the tag of my T-shirt is rubbing my neck or whatever the external feelings are. Maybe you can feel the bead of sweat going down your forehead. And then the T is taste. So you might feel or might taste the remnants of toothpaste or whatever in your mouth or if you had a you know if you had whatever it might just be that you can taste the claggy saliva if you're if you're getting a bit dehydrated and then the um s then is the last s is the smell so you might be able to smell could be garbage if you're in a city area or it could be you know your own body odor or it could be some nice flowers or whatever and that's that's really cool because i struggle to do maybe conventional mindfulness and meditation but that's a way where i can 
kill a couple of birds with the one stone so yeah definitely i love that yeah it's and it's interesting i can now feel it and have an awareness within myself when i'm getting a bit like i don't know spinning my wheels or if you know you've been at work or you're doing stuff and you're kind of like a bit flustered or a bit whatever just these normal day-to-day things and it's like you know you know you need to for me I've realized like I know I need to get out into nature go for a walk or I'm lucky I have a park across the road I live in a city but yeah like I say even if it is a city but to get out to get away from the technology to get away from yeah the phone the laptop all that stuff and um do exactly that and it's it's very challenging like i love the way it's, you explained it there um and it's it's very challenging and you kind of yeah you feel a bit oh, this is stupid or you're just kind of whatever but then it kind of fall i don't know you after a few minutes five ten minutes it i don't know you that kind of bad and difficult energy that you had within you is kind of flushes out once you're, you're doing what you say there, that, that kind of process. Yeah. And like, do you know, I think like, it's funny because people talk about a runner's high and that's one of the things that I'm essentially studying as part of my PhD, not from a running point of view, but more just exercise in general. But like, even if it's not this elated feeling that you get, there's a hell of a lot to be said for grafting through something that's uncomfortable the whole time. So if people haven't ran or if they haven't gone to the gym, it's probably not a comfortable environment the first time you go in, you know, like I'm into running or I'm into running, but I still absolutely love my weights just as much. I'm kind of, I'd probably be equal weights to running. So if I'm running, you know, four times a week, I'll be gymming four times a week or whatever, kind of what's been coined hybrid athlete, I suppose, but it seems a little bit lofty, but I guess that's what I am. But Another mate of mine, um, Tim Glynn, who I think you know, he, um, you know, he he was working one day, and and we were reminiscing of back in the day in Lansdowne. I was the strength and conditioning coach when when we won the AIL that time, and I think he had had a bit of a stress, stressful time at work, and he had kind of said, "Oh, look, you know, I know there's more to life than the gym and running, but I miss those days or whatever," and like sometimes there's it sounds like a complete meathead thing to say and there was a group of us in Lansdowne we used to call ourselves the meatheads because we we really loved our our gym but uh, a few of those Stevie Collins and Connor Donnell and Charlie Butterworth part of that meathead crew crew at Ron Boucher but um gotta give a notable mention to Ross McCarran and, and Simi and Johnny the Bosch and everything else all all honorary meatheads but you know like sometimes there's not more to life than the gym and sometimes there's not more to life than running if that's a lift that you get then that needs to be an anchor in your day like it needs to be as immovable as anything else because I know for a fact that I'm a much nicer kinder funnier whatever person after I've exercised or at least if I haven't exercised that I know that I've carved out a window for me to exercise or if it's a rest day that's that's fine too but the way that I kind of described it is that like often there's so much kind of chaos in in life or there's so many things going around there's so many variables and there's so much that we're not in control of right 
But when you go into the gym, an Olympic barbell is 20 kilos. It's always 20 kilos. And if you go into that gym and it feels light, it's talking to you. So it's saying whatever you did in the last 24, 48 hours, whatever, a week, keep doing that. And maybe it's feeling lighter because you've slept well. Maybe it's feeling lighter because you're feeling particularly energized because you've watched a Rocky Balboa movie. Maybe it's feeling lighter because you had a chat with a friend. Maybe it's feeling lighter because um, your work is going well or whatever. And then another day you go in and the barbell feels like like a ton. And it's still talking to you then. So maybe that's the time that you're, you know, getting by by the seam of your pants and you've you've had four cans of monster and 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 it's feeling you're feeling like a bag of death. But it's still talking to you then. So it's saying, Oh, maybe you can't burn the candle at both ends, or maybe you're you know, you haven't parked the ego and maybe you need to be going with the the five kilo bar instead of the twenty kilo bar. But you know, it's it's often viewed as sometimes exercise is viewed as like a frivolous add-on. If you have the time, you can also do this. But the grim reality is, you know, I think it's the World Health Organization stats as a as a physio, like we're we're movement and exercise advocates. The World Health Organization stats are from the US anyway, at least, are that less than twenty five percent of people meet the minimum requirements for physical activity minimum so it can't really be a luxury because you know like the the links between physical activity and non-communicable diseases is is stark so um yeah like a bit of a tangent there but um you just kind of want to say like that it's not just about running that it's whatever you you like to do you know um which is a pretty good conversation to have as well because just because somebody on your feed is doing whatever exercise form, CrossFit or running, it doesn't mean that that's what you need to do. You just need to do the type of exercise that keeps you coming back for more, whether that's bloody Zumba or Acra yoga or whatever, you know, um, just do whatever you like that is getting movement into your day. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And what you said there about it being an anchor like it's it's so 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 important and I've seen myself like when I was injured in my shoulder I like couldn't barely walk I'd frozen shoulder like just like a jog would hurt my shoulder a lot and I was just like and you know got really down but uh, the physical I I knew it you know from having played rugby I kind of knew I was missing that and you know other things but it's um yeah I think we all know it even myself like if I miss two I don't know if I'm doing something or whatever and I just miss two days of of being active and that you know could be a long walk or something your mind you just start to feel shitty you start and like you say about being a nicer person like you're you're so much more prone to snap at someone you're so much more you're just you're you're just even like just a difficult like a I don't know, a really low energy, low vibration person to be around if you haven't. Like, I I struggle to think there's a way in which you cannot exercise and have a full life. Yeah, I mean, I'd kind of argue that if there is somebody that appears to have that, then it would be augmented massively if they did exercise, you know? So it's like... Yeah. 
even if they are, if they do seem to have a full life and they do seem to be bubbly and vivacious and extroverted, it's like that could probably be five X if they did decide to exercise, you know? So, um, again, that, that Palomine Dave Lewis, he, he often says like, you can't, it's very hard to change your moods. Like you can't just say, don't be low or don't Mm. be anxious, but it's very easy to change your physiology. So when you exercise, you do get a, a a release of endorphins and serotonin and, and endocannabinoids and opioids and all this kind of stuff. So you do get this physiological response that can have massive mood enhancing benefits, and then you can potentially change your, your mood, but changing your mood on its own is, is really tricky to do, but changing your physiology isn't particularly tricky to do. You just have to go out and do a little bit of exercise and rather than often people will be fixated on the thing that, that they can't do. But for most people there, even if you like for me, when I had my shoulder surgery, I've had a couple of significant back injuries as well, but there's more than likely something you can do and it might not scratch the itch as much as the thing that you absolutely love but just by changing the goalposts a little bit and doing a type of movement or a type of exercise that you can do you'll probably leverage a lot of those benefits anyway you know Mm. and you mentioned yoga there before just body breaking down and that's something i wish i had one snc coach who will be telling me when i was like 18 19 about stretching and stuff and when you're a young lad, you know, you just want to lift more weights and lift more weights. And, you know, why spend 15 minutes stretching at the end of a session when you can spend 15 more minutes lifting? And it's something, yeah, I've just found, I got into a bit hot yoga when I was in Vancouver a few years ago and um, I'm going to get back into it. But yeah, just, I find stretching a bit of a tangent again, but when you mentioned body breaking down or finding whatever exercise you like, like yoga and stretching, I just find it so good for, the body in general and mobility like mobility like my hip flexors I don't know what it is like I have a standing desk right here now and I stand you could probably tell me but like I stand for most of the day because my hips were like so tight and so yeah rigid um but anyway I don't know what I was saying there but yeah yeah I like I mean and that's and that side of things it is interesting because like we're creatures of habit. Like if you're human and you're alive, it means you can adapt. So if you're sitting down for long periods of the day, I think the, you know, it's not as extreme as people make out in terms of sitting being the new smoking and whatever else, but it's, it's more about movement variability. So people who are working in retail and they're standing up all day, the best thing you can tell them to do is sit down and take a break because they'll potentially have aches and pains from standing up the whole time. The person that's sitting down all day, they'll benefit a hell of a lot from drinking lots of water because they'll be going to the toilet lots and they'll be getting a little bit more movement or taking breaks when they're they're standing up. So often the thing that you'll need the most is the thing that you're not doing. And a lot of us get into, like, thankfully, when I was introduced to strength and conditioning, I loved it. You know, I loved learning Olympic lifting. I loved muscle hypertrophy. I loved strength and all that kind of stuff. But for a lot of rugby players their only exposure to exercise is their sport or the strength and conditioning that's associated with their sports so a lot of people don't get introduced to other exercise modalities like 
yoga, like Pilates, whatever it might be. And there's a podcaster called uh, Chris Williamson, and he talks about this kind of fitness menopause that like when guys reach their 30s, that they kind of fall off from exercise because they go, oh, I'm not playing rugby anymore. Like, what am I doing cleans for? Or, you know, I don't actually care about being big and bulky. I don't need all this size and whatever else. And I think I kind of went through that myself, you know, for, for the first couple of years that I was in New Zealand, I was keeping all this front row size, like just so that's why, like so that I could tell people that I played Monster 20s with, with Connor Murray and Peter Matney, you know, like as a as a office cooler chat. Whereas really I couldn't, if I had a niche in my back, I couldn't scratch it because my mobility was, was so, so bad. But that's another thing to, to, for people to kind of play around with is there's so many different types of exercise that you could be falling in love with if you just maybe had the courage to give it a, a try. So I, um, love doing that. Like I love, given my hand at anything like i've gone to contemporary dance classes i've gone to uh you know hot yoga i've gone to acro yoga I've, i'm a pilates instructor myself i yeah i'd give anything a go because it might just be something else that you really enjoy or expose to something that you have a thirst or a hunger for so yeah like i definitely encourage anybody to just and most places these days as well they'll give you a bloody free trial no matter what you're thinking of so um you know i probably had a reputation for a while there in auckland that if any if any exercise class or gym place was opening up i'd be there on the first session you mightn't see me for the second but um yeah like just giving it a go you know like what's the worst you can do is you can say i didn't like it yeah 100 percent, 100 percent. and what's your training schedule like these days and do you have any are you like building to anything or anything in the in the sites yeah I'm always kind of looking for something to keep me um, accountable like sometimes I used to be bad for not training unless I had an event in the calendar so at the moment I'm trying to not have an event in the calendar but to kind of consistently hit 40 to 50 k's of running a week and then three to four gym sessions a week so that's that's me for right now but something that uh, we didn't touch into something that I got involved with fortuitously just come up on the eight-year anniversary of it actually as I do these endurance walks which are a little bit scary when you talk to people about them because they go geez this fella's a nutcase but a patient of mine years ago a guy called Ken Brophy who's an incredible fella I he had a similar shoulder injury to me. So I helped him with his rehabilitation and he was doing work with the Himalayan trust, which is Sir Edmund Hillary's charity. He's done amazing work when Edmund Hillary, uh, one of his famous quotes uh, for your listeners, if they don't know who he is, he's the, the first guy to climb Everest with uh, Tenzing Norgay back in 53, I think. But he said that he didn't want statues built of him but instead to help the nepalese people so ken and his his mates and subsequently become my mates they do a lot of fundraising for the himalayan trust so he said to me uh one day he's like oh we're doing a a 100 kilometer walk where you don't sleep you just walk for 100 k's but we're doing it to raise money for the himalayan trust 
would you be interested? And I, I'd said, yeah, I don't know why I said, yeah, because he's a good, good bloody guy. But I said, yeah, and we did it and it was pretty grueling. Like we managed to do it in um, just under 20 hours to walk the hundred kilometers. And then I said, oh, I could lead one of these missions myself. And I did it with a crew from work and we weren't as conditioned. So the second one that I did took 32 and a half hours of walking, no sleep, just walking. So doing those kind of things are something that I actually really enjoy where you're kind of turning the screw on yourself. And it's it's definitely a massive physical demand, but it's also a lot of mental um fortitude i suppose required and when you're doing stuff for charity like people are a lot more likely to put their hand in their pocket when you're doing something a little bit extraordinary so i've done kind of maybe five of those 100k walks but the crew are meeting up again now uh, next month so we're going to go down to the south island and thankfully it's not a 100k walk but we'll have a multi-day hike um, in the south island which is just so good it's like a car wash for your brain because you have no cell phone coverage even if you wanted it and you're you know maybe you're you're used to egyptian cotton sheets or you know down pillows or whatever but then you're in a hut with six or seven other lads and there's always a notorious snorer and you're relying on the fatigue in your legs to give you the good night's sleep so i have a couple of those penciled in um throughout the year as well which is it's another anchor for me. Like I can't, no matter how busy I get, I always try and keep the the space and the time for those because what I get out of them are, are so, so good to see parts of New Zealand where you feel like you're a, a cast member of Lord of the Rings and um, to be getting a good, you know, good hit out and a good catch up with some really nice and inspiring fellas as well. So that's on the horizon. Maybe once I finish this PhD, I'll, I'll look to do some uh, more precise performance goals. My last marathon was um, three hours and 10 minutes. I'd love to go sub three, but that's, it's a long time to shave off. So maybe in, in the future, I'll be able to do something like that. And I had a chat with the running coach yesterday. I might try and go under 19 minutes for a 5k this year. Um, that'll be the, that's kind of an achievable goal while still, doing all the work that's required for the phd so that's that's my 2024 physical performance wise i suppose class love it and so the yeah the multi-day hike interested in hearing about that so for people who don't know i just know about this from recently but in new zealand there's a lot of these huts which are literally huts just like splattered around the place or you know and there's no electricity there's maybe a couple of bunk beds with a mattress and yeah, there's, you just rock up and there's a stove so you can burn on the stove and cook on the stove. Isn't that? Yeah. I stayed in one on Stewart Island and oh yeah, unreal. The exact yeah. same as, as you just said. And I mentioned a podcast I was put, put out, which would be the previous one to this one. Um, I realized it then that it is something I exactly what you just said i went there for four four days to stewart island with two friends and i was just like i need to do this regularly and when i say regular every three four months or whatever but yeah. the multi-day hike so what do you do do you plan out you you plan out certain routes like we'd walk from here to here to here to here 
Yeah, so again, like super lucky to be involved with with uh, our fearless leader Ken Brophy because he he's a maestro on the logistical side of things. So he he is a subscription to New Zealand Wilderness Magazine, and sometimes I think he's like this evil scientist kind of with uh, lightning crackling in the background, where he's got a devious pen and a pad and thinks up some some crazy missions. But they're starting to get a little bit more civilized recently which i don't think anybody is complaining about but in new zealand there's things called the great walks which are you know i think there's maybe i don't know nine or ten of those you can just look those up and you can you know book uh the beds or whatever but um often like i think what's kind of prohibitive for a lot of people is is just inquiring like it's not they're not too daunting a lot of them are are it'll be fairly transparent about how many hours it'll take to get from A to B and look, the more adventurous you get, you can go a little bit more off piece and you can go bushwhacking and maybe pitch up a tent. But very fortunate in New Zealand that I think you can pretty much go the whole of the South Island staying in these dock huts, which are, you know, I think max maybe like 16 or 17 euro a night or something like that, 30 odd dollars. And like one of the things that I love about them is that you could be a multimillionaire or you could be on the breadline, like, and the enjoyment that you'll get is the exact same that like, it kind of epitomizes the whole, your, your health is your wealth. And that you could be Elon Musk doing this and the view isn't going to be any better or the gradient isn't going to be any, you know, steeper. It's a complete leveler and just a bombardment of, of stimulation that we tend to have in our lives. Like I don't think a lot of us realize until you get away from it all, how restorative it can be just going for a walk. So it doesn't need to be this crazy hilly thing, you know, like it doesn't need to be physically, you know, very taxing, but just having that umbilical cord that has kind of developed from, from Apple or whoever your provider is cut is um yeah it's it's just unreal like it's very hard to put into words until you experience it like some people that are nature lovers they'll get a huge amount if you love your training you'll get a huge amount if you love just you know stargazing in the evenings whatever it might be um there's something for everyone and when i went back i was back in ireland at christmas time and just doing a couple of similar not multi-days because it's not not the the huts aren't there in ireland but just going on day hikes, like I was a tourist in my own town. I'd never been on some of those day hikes around Munster and I loved it. Like got my dad out for one, had met up with a couple of friends for some other ones, met up with my brother for another one. And like, obviously the, the weather is different in New Zealand than it is in Ireland, but they can still be still so much to do. And, you know, Instagram pages like the hike life and stuff like that have brought a lot of those options onto people's feeds and onto their radars back home. But uh yeah, I'll definitely I'll pick you through a couple of the South Island that are that are close to you there and you can, you know, rally up a crew or or uh, we can tee something up and do one together sometime. Oh class. Yeah, I'd love to do one together, yeah. And I, I'm a good friend of mine here is a mountaineer or he does some stuff like that. Like I think even a level up from I don't know, just going, yeah, kind of around know, mountains or kind of like he'd have gear for climbing and stuff and whatever. Oh, okay, and, yeah, yeah. Um, 
but to be honest, that's he was talking to me, and I was kind of like, uh, you know, I don't think I'm even buying loads of gear. But it's so interesting you start saying this, and on the I as I just said on the last podcast, I said that, and I thought, you know, I would have thought, you know, I'm doing my, I'm working out five days a week, six days a week, I'm stretching, I'm eating relatively well, of course, you know, I'd be eating whatever, you know, the odd time cheat meals and that, and doing my meditation, my mindfulness, all this stuff. And I was feeling like, you know, I'm grand, like all is good. And I went to that hut for four or five days and everything just flushed out of me. And I was like, oh my word, like I didn't, it was, it's like using a car wash. It's, it's really hard to explain, isn't it? But I think, and what I, what I said is that I think that if you're living in the modern world, you can't not have a baseline of stress or just a baseline of because there's notifications going off there's this that the other and what i've realized from that experience is that i really believe that you know once again living in this modern world there's going to be that base level and we do our best to be as you know um not stressed and to be as have as good a well-being as possible but when you go and do something like you're saying it just really it's 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 crazy yeah i think there's probably a, a level of assault on our senses that you're just not aware of unless it's removed do you know what i mean so um you know like it's that analogy of boiling the frog you know if you put a frog into boiling water um it'll jump straight back out but if you put a frog into cold water and turn on the heat it'll stay in there and boil to death and not to mm. say that we're all boiling to death but like if you think about that level of stimulation like that's happening now to people younger and younger and younger that they'll have just you know it's not not a an indictment on parenting or on anything like that but it's just the way of the world is this you know you know for a lot of us like in order to navigate our world like you have to be available and you have to have be contactable and you have to be across different you know platforms whatever it might be not just in terms of social media but you might need to be you might have a gmail account and a microsoft outlook and you might have slack or you might have teams and all this kind of stuff um and a lot of these things are preset so that the notifications pop up whether you ask for them or not so unless you're consciously curating the stimulation that's coming in like you know if you're getting email notifications popping up on your phone from somebody that you don't if it's a business that you're not interested in like that's distracting you and it's probably giving a little cortisol little hit of a stress hit of kind of going oh that could be somebody back in ireland being sick or that could be whatever i better check it anyway you know like so um those things are happening all the time so it's just kind of it's good to get away from it, but it's also maybe good to mitigate it as best you can in your day to day as well. Like, and, you know, I think almost like as a little disclaimer, like I'm absolutely far from perfect. I'm, I'm doom scrolling, um, at times and I'm, you know, um, looking at blue lights way, way later than I should. And I'm, you know, having too many points from time to time and all the rest of it. So, but it's just trying to, you know, do the best you can with what you have as well, but definitely getting away from that side of things and trying to meet up to, to get out is really, really important. 
Yeah, definitely. Disclaimer too, I'm, uh, I'm the exact same, just trying my best. And something I found uh, years ago, five, six years ago, so I don't know, sometime, but I heard it of, uh, you know, having the first hour of your day and the last hour of your day without technology. And then I try and stretch it even further, but that's something that's huge. Like, you know, now that when I think back of having my phone next to my bed with my alarm, crazy like because then you just check something and straight away you're you're on edge um you know just open anything you're just you're switched on you're whereas yeah just giving yourself that hour to relax into the day is huge yeah it is huge and it's like you know um like with musculoskeletal health as a physio like you're often trying to have people sleep better so talking to people about you know anybody that has kids or you know we were all were a kid like you wore pajamas so that you were telling your body it's going to be time for bed and you'd start to dim the lights and you'd maybe read a story and that's every parent like lots of parents will do that for their kids because they know that if they don't do that their kids won't sleep as well but like we're beholden to the same physiology as our as as kids like so you know having i have a like of three t-shirts on rotation that are my pajamas as a 35 year old man and you know i try and read a couple of pages of book and it's actually <coughs> excuse me it's actually tricky because now i associate reading with sleeping so you know i'm i'm read a couple of pages of a book and i'm nodding off even though i'd like to maybe read a little bit more but um those things can be really easily leveraged as well if it's just that side of things and then you know, more, a lot of people have watches that have an alarm, like you don't necessarily need your phone as an alarm, so charge it somewhere else. And then a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I have to have my phone beside my bed because my phone is also my alarm. It's like, you know, just like your watch or whatever. Like most, Get a $20 sure. one, $20 yeah. alarm. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So there are little things like, you know, it's hard, hard to do and habits are hard. Like that's the whole thing. You have, there's a reason why now it's, you know, what is this? um you know middle end of feb and the gyms will start to get quieter again because habits are really hard to keep but if it was the middle or end of january they were still heaving so these things are they're really hard to implement it's not just a case of oh have your hour at the start book end your day with a a free you know completely carved out precious hour it's maybe it's just for somebody that's really really dependent on their phone maybe it's you know, wait five minutes before you do it. Just so you've that initial five minutes of kind of gone, I'm alive. I'm, you know, it's a Monday or is it a Wednesday or is it a Friday? Whatever it is, like just have some little bit of autonomy and independence over the start of your day or whatever. And then if that feels good and you get a positive effect of that, then you might go, well, bloody hell, I'm going to, gonna, you know, stretch that out or I'm going to actually find that, if I get up and I that's the nice thing about running as well is that you don't need the motivation to go to the gym like if you can just have your shoes by your bed or you can have them by the door like before you kind of know your arse from your elbow for want of a better term you can be out and you can just be um plodding along you know rather than kind of getting up and kind of going oh what's the weather doing today it's like well if you've planned to go for a run it doesn't really matter what the weather is doing because for me anyway I'll be covered in sweat by the time I get back so it doesn't matter whether it's raining or not um but yeah just trying to remove friction 
because with a lot of this stuff, you know, motivation is, it's a very finite resource. So like make it easier for yourself by removing friction, make it easy, make it hard to kind of fail. And, and that's a really big, big part of it because a lot of people might say like, oh, you know, you must have so much dedication or willpower. And it's just like a lot of it is reflexive for me. Like it'll, it'll, you know, maybe not to the exact same extent, but you don't need to watch a motivational movie to brush your teeth, even though I don't think I don't particularly love brushing my teeth. You know what I mean? But it's just something that I do morning and evening and I know it's good for me. So I do it. And on the days where I don't feel like doing a bit of movement, I'll probably do it anyway, because I know it's good for me. And, you know, so you can't be waiting to feel inspired and motivated every day to do any of these things, like whether it be physical endeavors or whether it be some sort of habit that you're trying to to bring in, like, you know, like you might ideal, you might love the taste of broccoli, but if you have it prepped and it's in a lunchbox in the fridge, then you're probably going to eat it more likely than if you have to go to the shop and, and buy it and cook it, you know, on the day hundred percent yeah it's yeah it's all um yeah just changing those things incrementally and i think that that's all that that's when we fail nearly always as we we see where we want to get to and we don't get there and it's we can't get there in a day or a week or a month and you just quit and yeah it's just make yeah making those tiny incremental changes and another thing within it is which is important, I think, to understand is like growth is difficult. Like mm. implementing new habits is difficult. You know, it's and you're sitting like for me, something could be like doing twenty minutes stretch in the evening. I, I go in and out of periods of doing it, you know, but getting back into stretching or reading or whatever it is, just you know, something small, journaling, whatever, whatever. It's you're at that moment where it's like you have to start implementing the new habit it could be three five minutes of journal whatever it's not hard but it's easier to just continue watching something or not doing or being on your phone or whatever but yeah growth is hard but you know i've seen people and know people that like they just they just don't they choose not to try and grow will say and you just stay where you are and i think that's an awful place as well because it's you know just being like Meh, sure what oh sure doesn't whatever you know and you have to i think we always we all always have to be growing in a way to to feel fulfilled you know even though it's it's obviously a bit difficult yeah like and you know without sounding like an amateur psychologist here but i think a lot of it comes down to like something that i've been trying to work on myself is a a lot more self-compassion you know so sometimes if I was to fail on a goal or whatever that's it the goal's out the window whereas really you know I used to be somebody that would always get something going on a Monday and then if I didn't get it going on the Monday you push it off till the following Monday Mm. like that's you know every day can be a Monday or you know tomorrow starts today all these kind of cliches but often it's about being nice to yourself or kind of being allowed to fail you know failing better like that's such a great term because you're going to fail like every single person is going to fail so like not viewing yourself as a failure like is really really important that it's just a an opportunity to refine it's an iterative process so maybe you need to recalibrate your goals if you've decided that 
for every day for the next 30 days i'm going to ice bath and i'm going to meditate and i'm going to you know walk on glass and i'm going to do all this kind of stuff it's like just start off by drinking a pint of water when you wake up like just and see if that goes well and you probably won't be able to do that you'll probably have a you know you might have an energy drink one breakfast and it's like that's fine but then the next day you might go back onto your water or you know i think is it um uh, James Clear, the Atomic Habits guy, like he kind of would say, try not to miss twice because everyone can mm. miss once, but then mm. it, it can be that momentum starts to drop off if you have two consecutive days where you don't do it. But um, a strength coach that I, <clears throat> a strength coach that I um, kind of listen to and I've, I've liked his teaching, this guy called Dan John, and he talks about um, the warrior and the king. So he says the king is the person that needs to kind of plan the battle. So tactically, what are your goals going to be? Like you want your king doing that. And then in the battle itself, you want the warrior doing it. Because if you had the king in the battle, he'd be overthinking and he'd be killed in two minutes because he wouldn't have the, the skills to actually execute. And then similarly, if you had the warrior doing the planning, he'd be saying, attack today, attack tomorrow. So it's kind of having those two kind of hats of kind of going, well, like I sh- if I don't want, if I don't enjoy stretching, I don't have to stretch every day. Like who's deciding your goals? So just spending that, is it that Abraham Lincoln quote, if you had eight hours to cut down a tree, spend seven, seven hours sharpening your axe. And I think that like, um, or another, you know, phrase that I like is when you get to the top of the ladder, make it, make sure it's leaning against the right wall. So spending a little bit more time. That's why I don't really like January goals or New Year's resolutions because it could be New Year's Eve and you're a couple of pints deep and you're kind of going, oh shit, I have to decide what I'm going to be doing for 2024. So just spending a little bit more time, and then it's probably more likely that you'll have that it'll be aligned with whoever you are as a person um, and it'll be meaningful to you. So those people that kind of go, oh, you know, that's not really for me. It's like try and find the thing then that is for you that you would like to get better at because growth is growth. It doesn't, it doesn't need to be maybe the societal growth of being healthier in a conventional sense. It might just be, you know, growth in terms of trying to be a bit more present with your partner or your family when you are around and that's not something that will require extra time it's that the time that you are there is allocated differently um so yeah and then like you know for people because i think it's all well and good being in an echo chamber of people who are of the growth mindset and who are that way inclined, but it's the people who lack motivation or the people that lack drive is the people that, that really need to be investigated and really need to be studied because they're the people who often find it harder and more difficult and probably have more friction. So trying to remove some of that so that you can um, get some of the, the gains as such that a lot of other people are, are feeling and realizing a lot more readily. Mm. And something you kind of touch on there, the importance of, and it kind of ties in what we have been talking about, but the importance of taking a step back and reflecting and giving yourself time and space. And that's what happens naturally on when you're 
say in the wilderness or you know doing a hike with no coverage you've just all the time in the world to think and not that you're in your head thinking but things come up when you disconnect things come up and that's why people will everyone will know like oh it's when you're in the shower you get your best idea when you're just out for a walk you get the idea it's not when you sit down and are brainstorming you know what will I do for goals or whatever whatever things come up and it's yeah it's when we give ourselves time and space that kind of what I feel I find you know what you need to do comes up mm. yeah like it, I, it's interesting you say that because the last time I went on one of those big big hikes with the with the group that I go on I was particularly stressed it was a, a prickly time with the PhD and I had some other work commitments and stuff on and it was a four-day hike but it fully took until the start of the second day where I wasn't in my own head, mm. you know, that decompression needed to happen. And it took a really long time where I was walking, but I was thinking, and then on day two, I was walking and I was just walking. Mm. I was just being, you know, like I was literally just thinking about putting one foot in front of the other. Whereas for the first day and a half, I was kind of going, this is class, but when I get back from this, I really need to do this. And, um, or I'm kind of gone, Oh, this is a great thing that I'm doing. It's going to give me this clarity later on. It's like, no, like then a day and a half later, I was just literally gone left foot, right foot, or I wasn't thinking about anything. Um, but, and like a lot of the listeners and a lot of people, like you might, I kind of, what I want to kind of convey is that, that's, decompression or that getting away from things it, it doesn't need to be hugely formalized the effects of it are going to be a lot greater if it is formalized and you really do have that but everybody has airplane mode on their phone and that's a mini way of doing it just for a little while like if you know that you don't need your phone then put it on airplane mode just for a little while and see how it feels did you miss it probably not or if you did miss it when you turn it off airplane mode you probably get a little bit of a kick because you get four notifications at once or whatever so you can do this kind of reward system stuff with that and it's not all about phone it's not all about computer but it could just be um yeah just trying to take your out yourself out of some of those stressful in environments you know and that's where i i um did my first proper ice bath the other week and that was you know they the person who was leading it had said you won't be able to think about anything else like and it was so true you know and it was it was very uncomfortable but it was a really cool experience as well to be able to do that you know obviously it's a it's a hype train that's that's well on the way there and you know far from this being another podcast talking about ice baths but um any of those state changes even for people that don't if you don't have an affinity towards exercise you can do it by going into a sauna you can do it by going into a cold shower you can do it by breathing or whatever it's all of those state changes because the thing about exercise is that i love exercise i've always loved exercise but a lot of people don't you know some people that go into a gym they feel like people are looking at them they don't feel comfortable in their own skin they don't feel comfortable wearing exercise tight fitting clothes and stuff like that 
um you know although it's not something i've a huge amount of direct experience with i can i can appreciate it massively so any of those physiological benefits that i've talked about with exercise a lot of those bleed into different types of state changes which can be achieved through breath work or can be achieved through mindfulness or meditation or can just be you know even if it's somebody that reads you know that's a thing where you're away you're disconnected you're probably momentarily transported into a different you know universe if it's if it's fiction or whatever and that's where um you know you can get caught in the trap of the betterment buzz where if every single book you have is a self-improvement book or whatever like then Mm you know you got to be careful about the type of reading that you're doing as long as you feel restored after doing it that's that's a really good thing but i can sometimes get in a bit of a a trap of that where you're kind of going well what book do i want to have said that i've read and that's a bit of a trap for me versus kind of going what book do i enjoy reading and if it's something that's you know if it's a you know fantasy book or something like that then then go for that you know don't i think the whole must to summarize a lot of the chat that we've talked about is is to have that level of curiosity and exploration rather than kind of going well what's dave toomey's top five books of all time or what's his training reg- regime or whatever it's just to have that kind of adventurous mentality that you can just kick the tires on a couple of different things and see what fits fits for you yeah, I love it. Yeah, I love that what you're saying there. Yeah, about yeah, see trying different things, and you know that brings in novelty then as well. Mm. And that's something then when you were speaking about trying out different gym classes, it's something or different exercise things or different whatever. It's something like I remember when I was younger in Balna County Mayo, I did every single sport there was, you know. And there's probably another part of it that like I the the endorphins and whatever i was probably chasing that for you know if you want to go <laughs> deep or whatever whatever but like i loved you know like oh someone's playing tennis i'm playing tennis oh someone's doing mm-hmm. swimming i'm doing swimming someone's playing golf um hurling gaelic football basketball soccer you know all the stuff and i just love it um competing and there's that novelty and it's something definitely i would have found in the last to year two or whatever you know if you're kind of just doing the same gym workout all the time and then you have the same day it can become very mundane and there's something you know i don't know what once again amateurs like i'll just put the the inner child or whatever like playing like they're yeah there's something about that novelty of doing different things that yeah is really cool that we i think we lose often yeah 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 and like a lot of the time it's about peeling back one layer of why so the people that do love doing the same thing and it seems really monotonous the why might be that they love routine they love the control element so then for those people you know Mm. keep going on the hamster wheel that's absolutely fine whereas for you you might say oh i tried loads of different um sports and the why for you might have been because you love competition or it could be because or it could be because you love novelty but unless you ask yourself that why you won't necessarily know so for a lot of people and and for the person that kind of goes oh you know i can't be arsed doing whatever there'll be a why behind that and it's maybe because 
they don't think they're capable or they might think that they're going to fail. And then the thing that they need to explore is becoming okay with failure or becoming a little bit more confident or whatever. So like, there's so much to be said for just whatever your action is, or even if it's not a, an action, but if it's a disposition that you have is just to be a little bit, you know, peel back the, the layer of one why and kind of be a bit inquisitive in that regard of just to kind of go, is there something that's driving this? And you don't need to be, you know, a psychologist to do it, but it's like, oh, I'm doing this because I'm, you know, trying to avoid X or I'm doing this because I really gravitate towards Y or whatever. Um, yeah, like it's it's a really, really useful thing to do and to kind of learn a little bit more about yourself, you know, like... I only learned about myself recently that I'm a, a people pleaser and that's something that I'm kind of trying to put a little bit of a cap on at the moment because for a long time I was saying yes to things that I should have been saying no to things that was ultimately um, negatively affecting me whereas now at 35 I found out that I'm a people pleaser and I need to have some little barriers in to maybe stop that to protect myself a little bit and that's a cool thing to realize you might have helped to realize it a, a decade ago but um like i wouldn't have done that unless i was peeling back the layer of the why like why are you saying you're going to go to this thing if you have too much to do or why are you saying you're going to do this thing if when you're going to be there you're not going to be enjoying it and then by saying no nobody's really put out i feel better you're not getting a, a diluted version of dave to whatever the thing was but unless i was asking myself that why question it just wouldn't have come through so um yeah the curiosity or the exploration and even when you were talking about earlier people that can't be arsed and with not that you, that was your wordage but the growth mindset like i think something that's worth chucking in as well is a friend of mine he talks about like seasons or chapters mm, and there's nothing gosh. wrong with having a maintenance chapter or a maintenance mm. season. Like you can't be progressing all the time. You know, you've got to take stock that when, when even before we got on air and we were talking about how cheap the watermelons are at the moment and seasonal stuff like that. And it's fine. Like to have a, you know, a winter season where you're, you're battening down the hatches or you're just trying to recuperate and restore. That's fine. And then it means then that, you can make hay while the sun shines later on in the year or whether that's in a day as well, you know, like that you have a, a nap in the day because, you know, you've got pretty high demands in the morning and the evening or, or whatever, like in that probably circles back around to the self-compassion thing that we talked about earlier. Yeah, unreal. Um, too much will go forever. But um, yeah, we both probably have to get our day going. But um, yeah, yeah, unreal. I uh, loved it. Love chatting. And um, yeah, thanks, Mel, for jumping on. No, it's brilliant, Milo. Thanks a lot, and great to see you. I'll be in touch with some of those hiking options. Legend. Cheers. Cheers, fella. Cheers for listening in today. If you want to be an absolute legend, please send the pod on some friends now. You can leave a rating and a review as well on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, and make sure you're subscribed so that you don't miss an episode. Unleash Your Potential is now live. This is a course I created specifically for players who want to be professionals. 
It's over six and a half hours of content and goes through everything you need to know. You can get this now through the link in the podcast description. If you want to get in touch with me about anything, please do. My Instagram is at offfieldrugby or at Brian Moylet. And my LinkedIn is Brian Moylet. And you can DM me on any of those. If you're an athlete or a leader and want to work with me one-on-one to help you get where you want to go and achieve what you know deep down you can, go to my website now, offfieldrugby.com and book a free 30-minute Zoom call. I work with sports teams over Zoom and in person, helping players access flow state, play in the zone, build resilience, increase confidence, overcome fear of failure and on all areas of the mental game. I also work with coaches and leaders on theming for the season and building a winning culture and environment. If this sounds like something your team would benefit from, get in touch through LinkedIn, Brian Moylet, or the website offfieldrugby.com, or also my email is offfieldrugby at gmail.com, any of those. And finally, I do high performance workshops for businesses once again, in person and on Zoom. And in these workshops, well-being is covered as well. In them, I'll show you tools to mitigate stress and pressure, teach you how to increase your focus and your attention span, give you simple strategies you can use immediately to increase productivity while improving your well-being. So essentially, you'll be feeling better, you'll get better quality work done and you'll have more time. If you're a business leader and feel your team would benefit from this, you can get in contact through all the ways I've mentioned. My email is offfieldrugby at gmail, my LinkedIn, Brian Moylet. Thanks again to you for listening today. Really appreciate it. Be good to yourself and have a brilliant rest of your day. Cheers.